Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to IEQ Radio, the voice of the indoor air quality industry. Yes, the rules have changed. from and welcome to indoor air quality radio iaq radio for friday september 14th 2012 this week episode 256 comes to you from studio d we're in studio d val in central city pa my name is radio joe hughes and here with me in the studio at the controls is roxy v hi everyone Joining us from the old Studio C in, um, let's see, McKee's Rocks, that would be right. Cliff is the Z-Man. That's right. All right. Good day, Cliff. Good to have you on with us. Hey, Joe. How are you? Excellent. I hope Roxy's doing well and Dieter and everybody. All's well up on the mountain here. At the controls, of course, is uh, Val, and uh, we've got Dr. Dietrich Wow will be joining us here for our halftime, maybe sooner if we don't see the guests come on in a minute. Today's segments include the IAQ Radio Trivia Question, an interview with Angel Waldron from the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America. We'll have our halftime that we've got, uh, we've got a halftime news update from IE Connections, our, our news update. Uh, we'll continue with the interview second half, and then, of course, we will do the roundup. Before we get started, let's start, thank our marquee sponsors. Net Claims Now, providing insurance billing services for the restoration industry. For fire, water, mold, and reconstruction billing, learn more about them at www.netclaimsnow.com. Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information are available at ieconnections.com. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at www.johndon.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at cleanclenfax.com and cmmonline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products. Okay, to listen to the show, of course, you can go to the iaqradio.com website. Just follow the link that says go to show. And uh, you can also download shows or stream shows live from our website. You can download by, again, going to that go to the show and um following that link and you can also download us from itunes we also have continuing education credits available just email me at joe.hughes at iaqtraining.com last but not least please visit the iaq training institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com let's turn it over to the z-man for today's iaq radio trivia question thanks joe
Win a cool prize by outcompeting fellow IAQ radio listeners and being the first person to correctly answer the IAQ radio trivia question each week. Submitting your answer is very easy. Email it to cslotnick at cs.com, or if you're listening to the show live via your computer, text in your answer. Congratulations. To Andy Krauszowski, Concast Metal Products, Mars PA, for being the first listener to define forensic science as the practical application of science to matters of the law, which was last week's trivia question. The IEQ Radio trivia question for Friday, September 14th, 2012, has been sponsored by Triska, the Tri-State Restores and Specialty Cleaners Association, who have been serving the needs of and advocating for their members for over 30 years. Triska is your link to industry training, certification, standards, and events. Check them out at www.trsca.org. Now for this week's trivia question. What is the etymology of the word asthma? Back to you, Joe. All right. Thank you, Cliff. For those of you that are a little concerned like I was, I just got a text uh, email in from our guest. She'll be right here. Our guest this week is Angel Waldron. She's a consumer health advocate with the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America. They are the premier nonprofit patient organization serving more than 60 million people with asthma and allergies. Angel's a national spokesperson for AAFA and represents the foundation to the media. She regularly appears in broadcasts for Wall Street Journal Radio, CNN Radio, and NPR, as well as for ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox television affiliates to discuss asthma and allergy issues. She is uh, currently quoted in articles by USA Today, Forbes Magazine, Washington Post, Chicago Tribune, and WebMD, among others. We are, uh, do we have some music? All right. Dr. Wow on. Angel's having a little trouble dialing in. I'm going to call her. Let's get Dr. Wow on. Cliff, chat with Dr. for just a moment. Okay, cool, cool. Yes, Joe, I'm here. You're there. Well, do you have asthma, Joe, or uh, Dr. Wow? No, I don't have, other than atrial fibrillation, I have nothing wrong with me. Nothing wrong. And other than the other stuff, it's called getting older. My mother was right. Nothing gets better with age, and it's a bitch to grow old, but... Unfortunately, it's such a slow process. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, I, I have a personal testimony, I guess. Uh, my, my wife and I, you know, were blessed not to have it, and our oldest son was blessed not to have it. But our youngest son, you know, developed it uh, as a child. He actually had pediatric asthma. And, uh, you know, I remember uh, taking him to the emergency room and the breathing treatments and uh you know at home we actually had a uh you know breathing machine that we would put on him with certain chemicals and and so on and so forth and it's it's a really really scary thing and you know as a young adult today uh you know he still has it and uh you know still has to carry the inhaler so it's a Pretty scary disease. Yes, to, it uh, is. Let you gentlemen hang on one second. Angel just joined sure. us. Angel, we, did you want to add something to that, Dieter, or should we get started? Uh, no, as a matter of fact, maybe that is a good question for Ms. Waldron. Let's do that. Uh, you know, with that allergies and asthma, it's the, the, the effect is pretty much the same. You have breathing difficulties and all of that, or you could have. And maybe we define that. I have a medical dictionary next to me over here. I could look it up, but let's do it uh, uh, on the show here. All right. Angel, do we have you on the line? Yes, I'm here. All right. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Us. Good afternoon. <laughs> Thank you. Good day. And uh, we did your announcement and, and your int- introduction, and you're just in time. 
Let's let's start with a little bit about the Asthma and Allergy Foundation, the organization. How long has that organization been around? Yes, um, the Asthma and Allergy Foundation is the oldest nonprofit serving patients with asthma and allergies in the U.S. Um, we were founded in 1953 by the two doctors groups that felt that um, the, the patients needed their own representatives. Is that the American Academy of Asthma, Allergy, and Immunology? The American Academy, yes, and also the American College of Asthma, Allergy, and Immunology, um, which are the groups that represent the um, physicians that serve our patients. Okay, that's interesting. So they they were the ones that actually got the ball rolling with this, and and your primary role is as patient advocates, or or are you more like patient? uh, Why don't you tell me what the primary role is? Well, um, I'm a consumer health advocate at the foundation. I also um, manage the communications and uh, marketing aspects of AFA and uh, serve as a spokesperson for the media. Okay. And now, does the, what is the organization's main, you know, what is their main goals with respect to serving this patient group? Well, um, first of all, we want to find a cure for these two diseases so that people won't have to endure um, the the suffering that they go through each year. And so we fund research to help that happen, first and foremost. And then we also um, want to, until, until that cure is found, we want to make sure that our patients have a good quality of life. So our mission is to improve that quality of life through education, through advocacy and through the research that I just mentioned. Um, for education and advocacy, we develop um, many programs to help physicians and health practitioners communicate with their patients about how to manage the disease. We also provide lots of tips um, to patients about how you can reduce your exposure to allergens in conjunction with taking your medications as, as prescribed. And through advocacy, um, we participate in um, legislative events to help make sure that our patients have access to quality health care, that students can carry their inhalers when they're in school, that um, that uh, emergency vehicles will have epinephrine on hand in case of emergency. So we just want to make sure that um, any legislative or bills that are being passed are in the best interest of our patients. I see. And Cliff, did you have a follow-up on that, or um, no, not on that. Let me let me give you a little better background on us, Angel, because you know you mentioned an issue that I know is dear to a lot of our listeners. We we have a, a large audience of uh, indoor environmental professionals who actually help people figure out what types of triggers are causing different problems for them, one of them being allergies and asthma. We have uh, a lot of people that perform disaster restoration services, and then we have people that are in the building science community who are trying to build, design, build, and maintain better buildings. So uh, when you mention, you know, education about the types of things that are causing allergies and asthma, I guess one of the areas we would be most interested in is um, homes and buildings. Can you give us some examples of the types of tips you give your patient, your, I guess your, uh, what do you call them? <laughs> your uh, core group of people that you're trying to help? Sure. Um, it varies from, from home to office to school, but in general, the overall messaging is to just reduce the number of allergens that you're exposed to. The first thing that you're going to need to do is get an allergy test done so you know what your problem is. So if a person doesn't have any trouble with a pet dander, then they can have all the pets that they want, but you're going to need to know what your trigger is specifically. Then once you do that, um, we've got lots of tips on what you, how you can reduce it. So let's say that uh, pollen is something that causes allergies for you. You want to stay indoors between 2 a.m. to 2 p.m. when pollen counts are highest, If you have to go out, when you come back, make sure you remove your shoes and change your clothing so you don't bring that pollen indoors with you. 
um, your hair can act as a mop when it's outside, and it will trap anything that breezes by. So if you can wash your hair at night, that's great. If not, you should at least wear a cap so when you're sleeping, you're not uh, re-inhaling those outdoor allergens at night. Um, so that, those are some things you can do for pollen. For, for dust mite allergen, which is a huge problem for people, um, hardwood floors are really best. If you are living in an apartment or renting and you can't pull up carpeting, um, we recommend that you at least vacuum once a week and make sure that that vacuum cleaner has a HEPA filter. That HEPA is going to trap those smaller microns, which are the ones that actually cause the most problems because they're lightweight enough to become airborne and breathed in. When you see dust that's settled on your furniture, that's not really um, the, the, the worst culprit for folks. However, um, for hardwood surfaces, you should be wiping them down with a damp cloth. You don't need anything special or any one particular brand. Any damp cloth will, will be able to really um, trap that dust and make sure that it's a disposable cloth. You don't want to reuse it um, each time you clean. Uh, instead of like heavy, heavy fabric um, window treatments, we strongly suggest uh, mini blinds, or the wooden shades that can be wiped clean that can be wiped down frequently. Um, heavy drapes can be uh, a magnet for dust, and and it's just not a good thing for our patients as well. So, and then you have mold, especially we're coming up on the fall winter season, and indoor mold can be a problem as well. So, if you've got visible mold in in and around your bathroom, your kitchen, or your basement. Um, that should those surfaces should be wiped down with a, a bleach-based solution um, to remove the mold that's already present. And then to prevent it from coming back, you should have a dehumidifier. And if you set that machine between uh, 35 to 45%, that will reduce the possibility of mold growth. Oh. These are just a few things um, that people can do around their home um, to reduce that exposure. You mentioned high-efficiency HEPA, high-efficiency particulate air vacuums. Do you have a, a list of vacuums that you recommend, or do you just tell people just get a HEPA vacuum? Well, there are definitely some vacuums that are more efficient than others. We don't recommend one particular brand. However, we do have a certification program to um, test products to make sure that their claims are truthful and to find those household items that are more suitable for our patients. And a number of vacuums have passed that um, testing, and they can be found at asthmaandallergyfriendly.com. Um, you can, when you're shopping in your local home store, you can look for our actual certification mark. It's, uh, it says ASA, um, Asthma and Allergy Certified. It's a little blue and orange uh, seal that you can find on... Um, Vacuum cleaners, um, HVAC filters, uh, cleaning products, um, washing machines. I, I mean, most of the products that you find in your home can either um, help or hurt your allergies. So you want to make sure that the claims the manufacturer are making are truthful so that you don't cause any additional problems to your family. Cliff, do you want to follow up? No, but I have um, I have another question actually. Please, and uh, it, it's somewhat technical, but uh, it's something that's really bothered me. And what it is is my uh, before you got on, I was telling um, Dr. Weil and, and the listeners that my youngest son had pediatric asthma, and as a young adult today, he still has it, and you know he's had to use a variety of inhalers and breathing machines and so on and so forth his entire life and uh, something occurred several years back and, and it's really bothered me and I'd like to know whether or not uh, your organization was involved with this uh, you know as, as we know we have inhalers and these inhalers contain propellant and previously the propellant was a CFC or a chlorofluorocarbon and you know based upon concern over the ozone layer uh, the, the drug manufacturers were made to change propellants and go to something called a hydrofluoroalkane uh, propellant, which the 
apparently doesn't work anywhere as well as the first one did, but it's better for the environment. I just wondered how this ever happened. You know, uh, you know did your organization you know, try to prevent this from occurring or have an opinion on it? Um, no, we actually were um, supportive of that because um, the HSAs have a different uh, force. You know, it's not a, it's not um, a, as forceful plume as the CFCs were. However, they're still proven to be just effective if they're used properly. So we actually were um, supportive of that and tried to help educate our constituents about new uh, management of these different inhalers and how to keep them clean and, and working properly. You mentioned uh, dust mites, and I'm curious, what do you suggest the use of um, coverings on, on pillowcases and on uh, mattresses, et cetera, or are those something that uh, would be too expensive and really not worth the, the cost? Not at all. We, we strongly suggest them, and bedding is also included in that certification program that I mentioned. Covering your pillows... Um, with, and make sure that all of these uh, encasements have zippers because, you know, a three-sided pillowcase will still allow dust mites um, in and out of that, of that um, bedding. So having a zippered cover for your pillows, for your mattress, um, we find these are, are very effective in separating um, and creating a barrier between you and those allergens. Um, any any case is not going to do because if it is still permeable, then that's why they're so small that they can travel the, back and forth between them. But there have been such great strides made with the development of these um, products that now you can have, because before we used to have to use vinyl, which was really uncomfortable and hot and would make you sweaty and it was kind of noisy when you slept on it. But now we've got these new fabrics where... It's still comfortable. It feels like a. It still feels like a cotton or polyester blend, but they're woven so tightly that dust mites can't travel through. So we strongly suggest and, and urge people to to do those. And they're actually a really inexpensive way um, to reduce your exposure to those um, allergens because instead of replacing your mattress um, every few years and replacing your pillows, you can um, use a washable cover to separate yourself from the death mites. I've got a second your uh, opinion there. I I take one uh, a pillow cover anyway with me wherever I travel and they have gotten yeah. more comfortable and um, they, they do seem to be, and the price is pretty reasonable nowadays too. They used to be more expensive and they were kind of plasticky, but uh, the last, I don't know, three, five years seems to have gotten much better. Definitely. And and I'm curious what other, um, well, I, mean, I had another follow-up before we move on. As far as testing, and, and I think I'm glad you brought that up because obviously, you know, that's the first step, figuring out what your problem is and getting with a health professional to make sure you're getting the right care. Do you have any specific type of question or, or type of testing that you recommend, um, or is it just whatever the health professional suggests? Well, it'll depend on your um, your your family history of asthma and allergy, and then also what caused you to 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 come in to see the allergist. So, if you've recently had a reaction and you can pinpoint what caused it, that will put you ahead of the game as to what type of testing you'll need done. But if you're going in with no knowledge of what you what could be troubling you, what type of symptoms you might have if you're exposed, then you may need to go back to the skin prick, which is, which is kind of tedious and um, painful, especially for children. But um, now we've got these great thumb prick tests where you take one drop of blood and in 20 minutes you can get a result that tells you exactly what you're allergic to. So although we don't have a cure, we've made really great progress in the diagnosis and the treatment of these diseases. So it's not a long, it, it doesn't have to be a long, painful process anymore. Cliff, I think you have a follow-up. Yeah, I do, Angel. Um, Angel, can you give the audience some tips on whether or not they can get any coverage from their insurance company by medical coding for things such as 
vacuum cleaners or air filters or, or whatever, because if the doctor prescribes it and there is a, a medical code for it, then you know Medicare insurance companies uh, that do health coverage and so on and so forth may cover these things. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, go- we're we're getting there. We're not where we should be yet with that, but there are some plans that have been um, you know modernized and and will take. Um, um, will at least partially pay for those types of products, especially the air filters for an asthma patient. Um, the vacuums, I, I have not heard of that as yet. But I can say in the meantime, what um, some of us have found helpful um, in our office is that some of these products will also be covered by flexible spending accounts. So although it's not completely paid for by insurance, you can still get a reimbursement for some of them um, through, through those FSAs. Angel, we, we uh, interviewed quite a few people from the, the American Academy of Asthma, Allergy, Immunology, and, and in particular we've got a gentleman who comes in on from Children's Mercy Hospital in Kansas City, uh, both Dr. Jay Portnoy and is uh, the guy who's directing his program for asthma and allergy there, Kevin Kennedy, who indicates to me that there are a few health insurance providers out there that may even cover a an assessment of a home environment for someone that has bad asthma problems and are trying to figure out maybe what the trigger is in their home and then have a health educator go out and, and you know teach them about how to maintain the home or or to make sure that they are keeping the trigger away from the patient um, and they've had some success on their side I'm wondering if you have seen anything like that with respect to insurance helping to pay for an assessment of the home um, I have not unfortunately uh, and that's not to say that it doesn't exist but I do feel that if if it did it would probably be for a severe um, asthma patient um, we just haven't seen the same type of commitment for mild to moderate allergies yet, but if a patient has had a life-threatening attack and we know that it's allergic asthma and mold in the home is present, then under those types of circumstances, I, I, could, I can definitely see that happening. Right. Um, well, but we're just, we just haven't made that, you know, we're just not there yet, unfortunately, but through our advocacy and um, policy department, I know that they are hoping to, to make progress with that. I sure hope. I know a lot of our listeners hope that happens, too. Angel, we've got our halftime break coming up. We're going to stop and thank our sponsors, and we've got a short uh, halftime news break with Tom Scarlett of Indoor Environment Connections. We're going to put you on, on mute for a little bit here, and we'll be right back. Give us about three to five minutes at the most. Okay, thank Come you. Come back for the second half with Angel Waldron. She's a consumer health advocate with the Asthma and Allergy Foundation. Let's uh, go to Tom Scarlett first, and then we'll thank our sponsors. Hello, Tom. Well, hey, get Tom unmuted. Tom, how are you, sir? Hi, yeah. How's it going? Good to have you. Good to have you. Thanks for joining us. I understand you've got a couple news items for our listeners. Yeah, I've got a couple of news items here. Um, Well, for one thing, Congress came back uh, this week after the the summer recess. They won't be around for long, though, because they're going back out to... uh, campaign for re-election, most of them, but uh, one thing that might be addressed is this uh, lead paint rule that EPA has, you know, has this uh, regulation that requires uh, certification. If you're working on a house with the pre-1978 paint, with the lead paint, you have to, EPA has this regulation now of what you have to do, and some Republican members of Congress think it's too onerous. Some people have complained that they've hit with heavy fines because of the rule, and it'll be interesting to see whether... uh, does Congress try to pass a bill to uh, rescind the rule now, maybe try to attach it to something they think President Obama has to sign? Or, you know, they could wait, you know, if Mitt Romney is elected president, it seems likely he would sign such a bill, you know, rescinding the rule. So uh, it'll be, I'm not sure if they're going to try to pass it uh, before the election, but they could. They could try to attach it to something uh, that they think Obama has to sign, and that could be, uh, there could be a whole debate about that. There's also the budget. Um, there may be some budget cuts coming up uh, based on these automatic 
spending cuts that kick in at the end of the year that could affect EPA, it could affect the Department of Housing and Urban Development. So that's, uh, that's what I'm watching here in Washington. Um, the other interesting story I thought was uh, there was a court ruling, you know, this Chinese drywall, the litigation on that is still ongoing, and the Chinese drywall maker was saying, well, you, you know, the American courts don't have jurisdiction over us. Uh, we don't have enough contact with America for there to be jurisdiction over us. And the American court said, well, you know, this drywall is in all these American homes. It's been making Americans sick. And uh, so American courts do have jurisdiction. And they, you know, they threw out that, uh, they rejected that argument. So the litigation is going to go on, and the Americans who have gotten sick because of this drywall may be able to get some money out of this, uh, this Chinese company. That's interesting. Now, the, going back to the lead paint thing, is that something that you just picked up, and you're pretty certain they're going to uh, try and address that one, huh? Yeah, I think uh, there's there's at least one Republican senator who's very eager to uh, to try to get that rule rescinded as soon as possible. Hmm. Interesting. All right, Tom. Any others that we need to keep an eye on? Um, there was another court ruling out in California. Uh, it had to do with when whether this actually also involves lead paint. The, the counties in California were suing some manufacturers of lead paint and. There was an issue of whether the defendants, the, the makers of the lead paint, could get the medical records of the people who allegedly were made sick by the paint. And the court said, yeah, they could get the medical records. So that could affect litigation going forward about um, when people claim they've been harmed by something. You know, it doesn't even have to just be lead paint. It might affect cases involving uh, mold or other things that the, the defendants might be able to get the, the medical records of the people uh, who are claiming to, to have been made sick by the, by the lead paint. To all the medical records, regardless of whether it's uh, claimed to be uh, related to the lead poisoning issue. Yeah, it's not. It's uh, it would give the defendants more of a chance to see the total picture as opposed to what the plaintiffs are putting forward, which may have been, you know, probably was uh, presented in such a way as to emphasize the liability of the the makers of the of the paint in this case. Sure. Sure, that sounds like an interesting ruling as well. Well, Tom, thanks for joining us this week, and uh, we look forward to getting you back again soon. Thanks for having me. All right, Tom Scarlett, Indoor Environment Connections. Go to ieconnections.com. You can check out the latest edition of Indoor Environment Connections. Before we get back to our interview with Angel Waldron of the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America, let's thank our sponsors. Thanks to our association sponsors, the National Air Duct Cleaners Association, NADCA, is the leading authority for information on HVAC inspection, cleaning, and restoration. Visit NADCA at www.nadca.com. The Indoor Air Quality Association, IAQA, a nonprofit multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at www.iaqa.org. And thanks to our advertisers, Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, who use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at wolfsense.com. Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Learn about them at legends-enviro.com. And, of course, our marquee sponsors. Net Claims Now, providing insurance billing services for the restoration industry for fire, water, mold, and reconstruction billing. Learn more about them at www.netclaimsnow.com Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information are available at ieconnections.com John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at 
www.johndon.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at clean, C-L-E-A-N-F-A-X.com and cmmonline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products. All right, we're back with the second half of our interview with Angel Waldron. Angel, do we have you back on the line? Hello. Oh, we had you muted. Now we have you back on the line, Angel. <laughs> All right. Hi. All right. Let's uh, let's move on. We got a text question from a listener. I think it's a great question, and I'm not sure if you can answer it or not. But we'll give it a try. If you can't, maybe Doctor Wild can join in. Um, can let's see. It was. Do people with asthma have to be allergic to a substance in order to have, I guess, an asthma reaction? No, not necessarily, but um, more than half of asthma patients have a form of asthma that is allergic. So the two diseases cross paths on a, in a large part of the population. So 20 million patients have asthma, and more than 10 of those, uh, their asthma is caused by an allergen. However, the rest of those folks could have an asthma attack caused by stress, by cold weather, by exercise, exertion, extreme laughter. So um, there are definitely people who don't have both, but um, more than half do. Now, you say, if I got that right, 20 million people have asthma. Yes. In the United States. That's... In America. In America. And what about allergies? Any numbers on that? Either 40 or 60. I'll, I'll need to... <laughs> Okay. Look that up real quick. Okay, but it's it's more than more than the twenty, so you're looking at probably it's much more than the twenty. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're probably looking at forty, sixty million people out of what we got three hundred and some I think million here. That's quite a a large segment of the population that uh, mm -hmm. your your group represents. Now, I'm just curious which of all the environmental triggers, like you know, you, you mentioned dust mites and mold, and I guess there's cockroach allergen. There's uh, uh, any number of different triggers that people have for asthma attacks, which is the most common one that you hear about from your uh, your people that you have to that you're dealing with? The most common allergen. Well, let's go with the most common allergen, and then the most common asthma trigger. Um, I'd say the top three for because um, I. I it's hard. I can't say that one really outshines the others, but I think uh, pollen, dust, and mold probably for, for allergies. And uh, for asthma, for allergic asthma, it would be those same three. And then for non-allergic asthma, exercise. Oh, okay, okay. Now, I, you know, I'm curious if you follow the AAAI's National Allergy Bureau, I think it is, where they have these alerts every day, well, every other day or so, depending on the city, where they give you a, a kind of a, an air sample about, you know, tree pollen, weed pollen, grass pollen, and mold spores. I assume you follow those to some degree. And I'm just curious, I, I, has you noticed a trend with mold being higher than I've ever seen it, at least this last year and maybe the last couple of years? In um, in certain areas of the country, there's definitely been um, an increase in prevalence, especially um, the northwest, where the the rainy season has has increased, um, and also in the Gulf Coast. Um, after, especially after Katrina and the standing water that was left, and you know, just damp homes everywhere, it was. The mold there, we were really concerned about um, people who are allergic to it and, and what that effect could have on them. So in definitely in certain parts of the country, there's been an increase. And, you know, I'm curious. We've got a question I wanted to run by you about uh, treatments. And, and what are there any new treatments on the horizon, for one? Let's, let's ask that one first. For asthma? For asthma. 
For asthma, there have been some recent developments. Like we have this new um, procedure that was recently approved from um, from FDA, where you can where um, it's an in and out. It's an outpatient procedure where the lining of the airways is is removed to open them up and allow patients to breathe better. Now, this this is only for severe cases of asthma in which. Uh, corticosteroids and other medications have not effectively helped them. Um, but that was an interesting new development that we had a year or two ago. And what else? And that one is called bronchial thermoplasty, by the way. Hmm. Um, so that would be the newest thing for asthma, I believe. What about with allergies? Good. Hmm? How about I'm with sorry. allergies? Anything new coming out on allergies? Um, for allergy, we're waiting to see if this new treatment will be uh, will be available in the in the next few months. Uh, it's an I think it's uh, an, a a shot. It's a new type of um, immunotherapy where you build up your resistance over time, um, and then you you shouldn't have to take as many medications. But it's really early on that, so I'm not able to to speak much on it. I don't. I'm not sure if it's uh, available yet. Yeah, I think that's, I saw something on that because I've got allergies myself and I, you know, you've mm-hmm. got to go, if you want to do the immunotherapy, you've got to go to the doctor's office. They give you a shot. you got to sit there for 20 minutes, you know, and, and and you go in every week to start with, if not more often, and, and it really makes it difficult to do. I thought I read somewhere that with that new shot, you could do it at home or, or, you know, you could have someone else do it. It was going to make it a lot easier in that respect, but I, I don't know for certain. But it's good to know there may be some new things on the horizon. I'm curious, do you do anything with respect to treatment of allergies? Do you suggest any kind of um, lifestyle? I'm sure you do lifestyle changes, but what about um, diet? Any any diet things that we can talk about that actually have shown some, some you know, they work to some degree? Well, depending on what kind of allergy you have, I mean, if you have if you're if you have food allergies, then definitely that's going to be the the main part of your your daily regimen to to manage your disease. But for um, for pollen and and uh, mold, there are some foods that we know um, can cross pollinate. So, you know, eating certain um, certain tree fruits and uh, nuts. Um, sometimes if you have a pollen allergy, just eating those things can, can trigger symptoms. But it's so, uh, it's so scattered across the board. You know, it really depends on the individual patient, how, how severe is their disease and what, um, which, tr- which allergen is it that's causing um, trouble for them. I've got a good text question that follows up on the treatment issue. Are there any foreign countries, uh, you know, outside of the U.S. here that have, um, they're saying superior treatments, which aren't approved by the FDA, but I guess I'd like to amend that a little and just say have have any treatments um, that look uh, promising, let's say, which are not yet approved by FDA. Not that I know of. I mean, just that um, that new immunotherapy one, but that's right here in in the U.S., so hopefully, you know, it will be available to us, but I'm just not, um, I haven't heard of anything, you know, I, I don't, um, I don't do a lot of research overseas, but usually when there is something, we'll, we'll hear about it. And I haven't heard of anything new in the past few years. Okay. Cliff, any follow-ups from you? Yeah, I do, actually. Uh, I just wondered whether or not there is any movement to improving either workplaces or schools to accommodate people with asthma or allergy? Definitely. I mean, it's such an important part of our um, advocacy work because, um, you know, children, so so many children, the prevalence in children is higher than with adults. And um, we want to make sure that the policies are set in place to protect them while they're in school. So for food allergy, um, Students, you know, making sure that cafeterias are, are peanut-free um, since that's the allergen that, that's most deadly for them and making sure that they're allowed to carry their inhaler 
you know, once upon a time, no child was able to carry it because it was a controlled substance. Um, but then we had children dying because they had an asthma attack on the football field and their inhaler is 100 yards away at the nurse's office locked in a safe, so they just didn't get to it in time. Um, so things like this we, we are very um, concerned about, and we do this annual research project called the State Honor Roll, where we um, analyze the 50 state policies on asthma and allergies in schools, specifically for schools. And each year we commend the states who have passed all of our criteria, all of the um, recommendations that we want to see in place for our students. And each year it's only like five or six that pass. So, you know, we're, we're going to continue to do this research in the hopes that the other states will see what New England is doing because for some reason most of the states are in New England um, and, and adapt those policies for themselves. Cliff, did you have another? Uh, no. Okay. I'm just. You can find that report. I'm sorry. That report is um, published every year at statehonorroll.com. Say that again. I'm sorry. That report is is uh, published every year and it's available online at statehonorroll.com. Statehonorroll.com. Okay. Now I'm curious. What about? Future activities uh, for for a you call it AF I guess uh, AAFA the uh, Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America sometimes the acronym police will will sneak up on us here um, any any what are the what are the plans for the future I mean do you have plan on branching into other areas or are you just going to continue along the way you are things seem to be going very well yeah I mean um, our our constituency is growing people are. Active. One thing that we're grateful for is that we don't have a complacent audience. People who have asthma and allergies are concerned. They want information. They want to know how they can get involved. Um, as a nonprofit, you know, we are supported by um, individual donors as well as a government agencies. So we want, um, you know, all of our information is free. We don't charge any membership fee. So we are grateful for that. Um, next year, we're celebrating our 60th anniversary. So our strategic plan for the next 10 years will be will be um, under review. And I can tell you the areas that we would like to expand in will be um, Spanish outreach, developing more of our our educational programs in Spanish, and. Uh, the depth of our Spanish website will meet. We, we would like to expand that. Um, food allergies is always an area that we want to continue um, to educate our, our educate the public about because it's it's a very deadly um, part of of our of the diseases that we serve. Uh, food allergies, the Spanish community, and I think those are the two the two areas that I've heard the most about. Um, I know next year we'll try to do some celebratory events just to um, to commemorate the 60th. But um, Spanish materials and food allergy outreach, I know, will will continue to be our focus. You know, I'd love to see. I mean, do people ever ask? You know. Is there someone you can suggest that I have look at my home? And when they do, is there anything you can, you know, give them? I know you give them educational information about how to do it themselves. But, you know, I know in the future, you know, this would be my wish, I guess, that we could work together with our audience in, in helping people find good indoor environmental professionals to help them figure out, you know, what types of triggers are in their home, how to help them keep those out of their home. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it would definitely be uh, a benefit on my end to to, to patients that are not um, able to do all of the things around their home that we recommend. Um, but in the meantime, we do have a healthy home guide, and it, it, it takes you in great detail, room by room, what should be done throughout the entire home. So, And that's available for free as well on our website at org. And we encourage people to use that in the meantime um, 
as uh, as a, and some of some of the the things in there because we we take it back to before the home is built, like when you're purchasing materials to build your home, what types of things you should be using and what type of paint should be going on the walls and what type of insulation should be behind the walls. So those are um, areas that you can share with your um, your contractors that are that you're using for your home. But we feel like that guide is a good in-between um, because, you know, there are things in there that the homeowner can do as well as the people that they hire to work on the home. That's a great tip. Uh, I'm going to look at that one myself, Angel. Real quick, I've got one final question before we bring in Dr. Wow and go to our roundup here. We're down to about seven minutes. I, I'd like to go back to the one of the first things you mentioned, and that is that your group advocates for a cure to these problems, allergies and asthma. Can you give us some insight about whether or not we're making any progress with respect to cures? Let's start with allergies and then move on to asthma. Did you say cures? Cures, yes. Yeah. Um, well, we discussed some of them. I think that, you know, we've made great strides with the treatments, but we're just, you know, in our in our perfect world, we would like to see it within the next 10 years. But honestly, today, they're just, we're not, we're not there, unfortunately. So in the meantime, all we can do is advise folks on what they can do in the daily management of the disease and to stick with these great new treatment options that we have available now and to adhere to that program when your doctor prescribes it because a lot of us, if we wake up and we're feeling good today, we feel like, okay, well, I don't need my, I don't need my meds today. I'm doing okay. But when you're on a, a daily control or medication, it's it's crucial that you you take it religiously, whether you're feeling good or not, to prevent any attacks from coming on. So, you know, unfortunately, we don't have we're not, we're not close to that cure yet, but we do have great ways to manage these diseases and. We lose 5,000 lives every year, um, but, you know, we feel like with education that and, and with people learning how to manage the disease, that that number should not be that high. And those are, I, I assume those are asthma-related deaths, or I guess... Those are allergy. asthma deaths, okay. yeah. What about allergy? I mean, food allergies in particular, I would imagine, at times can, can be life-threatening. Yeah, um... That's all right. If I don't you don't have, have it, that in front of me, but I, can, I, I, I will get that for you. I'd appreciate that. Now, let's go to... Oh, I do have it. I'm do? sorry. So 200, we lose uh, 200 people every year to food allergies. To food allergies. Um, but some, some of the things that are relative to that that I was thinking would make the number greater are um, like a penicillin allergy. 400 Americans die from that. Um, insects from from bee stings, uh, a 100 die from that, and then uh, a few less from from a latex allergy. Hmm. Interesting. Well, let's go to our roundup here, Angel. We're just going to uh, go around the horn one more time, see if anybody has any final comments or questions. We'll bring Dr. Wow in, and uh, we'll take it from there. Great. Move him on, hit him up, hit him up, move him on, move him on, hit him up, raw high. All right, let's get Dr. Wow on the line here. Value on. Just, I'm moving a little too quick, Dieter. Hello, Dr. Dietrich Wow. That's all right. That's all right. I recognize Mr. Beethoven anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think Angel made a couple of excellent points, and I have a couple of questions also. But uh, one of the things, and I have been telling this people, said, oh, I vacuum clean. I bought the best chop vac. A chop vac is the best aerosol generator in your house. 
And if you watch it when you turn it on, I happen to have one, and I have fortunately no asthma, no allergies, no nothing. <laughs> nothing seems to bother me. Um, and sometimes when I turn it on and I use that one to pick up leaves from my plants and so on, the big stuff, but this house is full of small particles. And, and uh, Angel pointed that out, guys, is that it's not the big stuff that is the dust. That doesn't bother you. It's the stuff you are inhaling. And I'm using my old rule of thumb, any particle which is less than 10 micrometers in diameter is respirable, all the way down to yeah, cigarette smoke and, 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 and uh, pollens or bacteria. So you've got to be very careful, even if you say, oh, I vacuum cleaned and vacuum cleaned and nothing happens. Well, you just, <laughs> you just made things worse rather than uh, better unless you have that high-efficiency particulate air filter on there, which is a HEPA filter, and that filter is expensive. I happen to have a vacuum cleaner, and the replacement HEPA filter is something like $175, which is interesting. But I have another question, two questions. I like the word, and almost it answers my question, allergic asthma. Is an allergy equal to an asthma? Is it a sub-disease? Um, and maybe you answer, answer that one if, if you can, if you can give me a hint on that one. Angel? Um, well, there, there are two separate diseases. Um, you know, we have uh, three, three pots of, of patients that we serve, the ones with asthma alone, the ones with allergy alone, and the ones with both. Um, and the ones with both is, is definitely a large portion. However, we don't want to confuse the two because um, asthma is an inflammation and constriction of your airways. Airways, which, correct. Uh, whereas um, allergy and allergic rhinitis is, is the biggest portion of that, which is um, what, what folks commonly call hay fever. So instead of uh, being a chest disease, allergy is... Uh, is more of a sinus, a head disease. So it's two different and you could get portions a, and of And you could body. get a rash or you could get it as something else, yes. Exactly. Including in, in, in airway constriction, no doubt about that. Right, that would be a, um, a contact dermatitis. So, yep. Um, the, Go ahead. Well, the, the cross, um, the... The prevalence of the two is is definitely a large portion, but we just don't want folks to think that if they are not allergic to um, some of these triggers that they should rule out asthma because you could be, uh, you know, having a, a chronic cough or you could be uh, wheezing or having breathing difficulty, and it doesn't necessarily have to be triggered by an allergen. And those are the patients that we're concerned about because they may have a looming asthma attack approaching, and because they're not diagnosed, they're not prepared to, to handle that. Okay. And, and, and if you don't have um, a rescue medication during an asthma attack, it can be fatal. So we want folks to be aware of these symptoms um, and, and to, to get tested to make sure um, you know what you're dealing with so you can be prepared. Yeah, I think that is an excellent idea. Uh, like, like you said, you got to know what to ha what you have to do. And mm -hmm. and for those uh, uh, people who have been listening, uh, you mentioned epinephrine. Uh, I know epinephrine. <laughs> when I went to school, I'm giving away my age here. <laughs> epinephrine is the same as adrenaline. Mm -hmm. And. Um, uh, uh, I like this. Oh, you're not you're not allowed to take the, the prescribed medication with you. But if you get an attack, you may be dead. But at least, but at least you didn't have that controlled substance on you. Somebody is, is stupid. <laughs> yeah. Now the other one is I like that. You said a drop of blood we can uh, use as a marker as a uh, roadmap. Ubi, are we talking about circulating antibodies here? With the um, with the, the, the thumbprint test? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's what that's where you say 
you take a blood a couple of drops of blood and you run it through whatever and uh-huh. you can see to what substances you may be uh, uh, sensitive let i don't even want to say allergic uh, have an allergic reaction right yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how it works, but it's been fantastic for our patients, I'll tell you, because a lot of them are, are so scared of that, that skin prick test. Oh, um, excellent. So, <laughs> yeah. If, yeah. You have an, uh, if you have an allergic <laughs> reaction, I, don't, I wouldn't give a damn about the little prick. <laughs> right, right, right. That's for sure. But that right. is interesting. I like that. I like that very much. Yeah, and um, mm-hmm. the, the other one you mentioned that also, and I tell this to people. Yeah, you say you okay. You want to protect yourself against an allergen, and whether it is a mold or whether it's a pollen or whether it's bacteria or whether it's uh, 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 bed bugs or whatever it is or cockroaches or whatever you. That's right. Uh, you 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 got to. Be a little bit cleaner than perhaps I am. You know, I don't take my shoes off. Maybe I should. Uh, mm-hmm. And I go into my bedroom, and the cleaning is uh, should be a little bit different. And um, so people have to learn that. And I tell the people also who claim that they are sensitive to mold spores. And I said these mold spores are there, and you got to you know, minimize it. You can't get you can't get zero. But that is interesting. I think there are a couple of uh, excellent, excellent ideas over here. What else do I fear? Andy won again. My good friend Andy. He, uh, I turned him on to the show, and I still can't believe we are at show number two hundred and fifty-six. Yes, Unbelievable! Sir, it's been a, it's been quite a ride. And uh, yep, and we have, I know we have listeners in Europe. I know we have listeners in Australia. We have listeners in Finland. Yes, and, sir. of course, a bunch of them here in the United States. Yeah. Well, Dieter, thanks, as always, for joining us. Angel, I don't want to keep you too much. I know you, you do a lot of interviews. Um, I guess, Val, did you want to ask one last question here? Uh, yeah, Angel, we like to give our guests the last word. Is there anything you'd like to add to the program today? Sure, thank you. I just want folks to know that, you know, um, we've got new, great new treatments available. It's it's not as uh, painful of a disease to manage as it was in years past. So go get those allergy tests done. Go get those asthma tests done. Once you know what you're dealing with, uh, AFA is here to help you. All of our information is free, and, and we can show you how to reduce your exposure in your home. And you can find uh, lots of the tips that I mentioned and, and more at our website, aafa.org. Okay. And, Angel, I, as a nonprofit, I assume you need support from uh, the public. Is that accurate to say? That's right. All of, uh, all of our, um, our services, especially um, the ones direct to consumer, are, are funded by our supporters and our donors. So um, we... Um, all contributions are tax deductible. You can do them right online. You can donate by text. I mean, there's so many different ways. Um, you know, people have donated cars and left us in wills. So we're just so grateful to um, the people that we've helped who have shown their gratitude in return. Well, we're grateful to you for coming on and joining us this week on, on IAQ Radio. Thanks again, uh, Angel Waldron, a consumer health advocate with the Asthma and Allergy Foundation. Uh, great job on a, a nice interview today, and thanks for joining us. I also want to thank uh, the Z-Man. Z-Man, you, you allotted your time to Dieter today. I caught the message on that. Thank you. Uh, much appreciated. I know you've got some notes on this one. And the Z-Man does a blog after every show. Check it out at iaqradio.com, and, of course, we'll have it on the next show announcement. I also want to thank Dr. Dietrich Wow, of course, for joining us. Great to Great to have him and uh, a late guy joining in, John Lapoter. Where were you doing at Pittsburgh Protocol? How about that, Cliff? Uh, anyway, there you go. We also want to, of course, thank Roxy V, Val Bender at the controls. Good sure. job. Thanks, Thanks again, yeah. Val. And of course, most important, oh, I forgot Tom Scarlett, Indoor Environment Connections. Thanks for joining us. And most importantly, our growing group of loyal listeners. Please come back and join us again next week for the next episode of. 
IAQ Radio. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.